9 a.m. We're going to be developing our website, thanks to Lauren Hansen and Peggy. They're going to be working on this this week, and uh, so we're going to make some improvements and be creative with a few things. So we're going to be, be developing some things as time goes on. All of us are out of our comfort zone. I'm out of my comfort zone this morning without having um, the seats filled with people and without being able to look into your great faces. So uh, staring into a camera is is uh, very new to me. And I'm sure it's new to you to not be going to church on Sunday morning. I know last Sunday morning for our whole Israel team as we were under this uh, self-isolation um, it was hard for all of us not to come to church in the morning. But remember, the church isn't the building. The church is people. And so I'm going to be encouraging everyone, both now and at the end of the message, to to keep in touch with people. Commit yourself to to talk to three people in our church every week. The same three people. Make a commitment to every week to check up on them and um, follow up. Encourage them. Pray with them. And then um, one one family outside the church. So this is how we need to really be intentional to keep um, in touch with each other, keep fellowship with each other, and not let anyone get really isolated at this time. Um, so we're going to do something fun. Um, I've got to have some fun involved even in a serious time. So um, what I want is the first person who will type in the the right title of the message is going to get a roll of toilet paper. So um, we'll give them a roll of toilet paper, or if it's a child or youth, we'll give you a uh, candy bar. So you just have to call me. Well, I'll see who it is, and then we can arrange when I can get it to you. But I'm still under isolation for another four days. This is day 10, so by Friday I can give out the prize. But uh, so... I will make what the title is known of, um, after my prayer, so be ready with that. Um, and um, we just need to be in, in prayer uh, for each other. We need to have a mindset not of isolation, although that's wisdom. We've got to be careful being around people. But we need to be looking for opportunities to minister to people who are very hurting right now and who are fearful. So... With that, we're going to have a word of prayer, and I'll get into our message this morning. So let's have a look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the, the electronic media, Lord, that we can stay in touch and still get into your word as a church body, even though we're not all together physically. Lord, I want to pray for our nation. Lord, our nation um, is uh, undergoing stress from this coronavirus. We pray for wisdom for our leaders, for for President Trump. We pray for our governor, Lord Governor Gordon. Uh, we pray for our commissioners and town council, Lord, that they would all have wisdom in what to do and how to handle uh, this uh, corona outbreak that has um, is plaguing the world right now, Lord. And I pray for peace. Lord, many hearts are disturbed. There's fear rampant everywhere, people having great anxiety and panic. And I, I pray that you would bring peace and calmness to our hearts and to hearts of others around. Lord, we pray that you would keep the corona out of our town. Lord, if someone does get corona, we pray that it would not be deadly, but that they would recover. 
Lord, we pray for all the businesses and employees who are affected at this time. Lord, we pray that you would help them to make wise decisions, that they they wouldn't go bankrupt, but you would give answers uh, to help them through this difficult time and meet people's needs, Lord. The, uh, those who are both the employers and employees um, meet their needs, Lord. I ask that you would be glorified in this time as our church body, Lord, as we have many opportunities to serve, to help. But, Lord, they're different. They're different opportunities than, than we've had And so I ask that we would be looking for ways that we can minister to others and help others. Lord, bring peace in each heart. Lord, touch each life. Help us to draw closer to you. Help those who do not know you to come to know you. Lord, those who aren't feeling good today and have worries thinking, oh no, do I have it? That you would give calmness and peace and trust in you. Lord, heal up those who are are sick and hurting. Um, Lord, help us to look to you, help those who are financially struggling already, we pray that you would provide for them. Lord, those who have broken relationships or difficulties right now in relationships, we pray that you would bring restoration and forgiveness and reconciliation, Lord. Lord, we thank you that though we are separated by miles Right now that you would bring closeness and nearness as we share the service together. And Lord, I pray for all the churches in our community, all of which that have closed. We pray that you would work in all of the churches, in all the people's lives, Lord. Uh, We know that the church is not a building. The church is your people. So we pray that you would work in your people's life this morning. Here in Pinedale, in our county, in Sublet County. Touch hurting hearts. Um, encourage us in your word, Lord. May you, you be glorified. And help me in, as I preach, Lord. This is a, a different challenge for me. And I ask that you would help me as um, it's not as comfortable as normal. So, Lord, we just uh, pray that you would be glorified in all, all that goes on now. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's a lot of fear, obviously, going around today. There's the fear of corona, and there's the fear of no, no toilet paper, whatever I did with my toilet paper. Um, there is fear that, should I run, what am I going to do? Am I going to run out of toilet paper? You know, you get down to the bottom of what's most valuable um, in these times. So I'm backpacking. I knew that toilet paper was um, very valuable. You know, if you're in the backcountry and backpacking, and you have a roll of toilet paper and someone doesn't, that roll of toilet paper is worth uh, probably 10, 20 bucks, maybe even more. But I never thought that toilet paper would become the issue today, um, in today's uh, just normal life. Well, a lot of fears. And, and today, I want to talk about uh, overcoming fear. That is the title this morning, is Overcoming Fear. How... Can we overcome fear? You know, and there, there's the phrase, fear not, 365 times in scriptures, what I, what I heard this week. 365 times in scripture. One, fear not for every day in the year. So we just got back from Israel, and we got to, I got to give a devotion by the Sea of Galilee where fear was a factor on the hillside that I got to preach on, where the pigs had gone over the edge 
in this hillside. Well, that night, the disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee. And as they were crossing, a huge storm came up. They, they were rowing across the sea. The storm came up. The waves were crashing into the boat. And Jesus was sound asleep in the front of the boat. The disciples were in a panic. And they thought they were sinking. They were sinking. And they cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus woke up and, and, and said, why are you concerned? And, and he just spoke to the storm, peace be still. And the storm was a, uh, stopped immediately. The sea was a complete calm. We saw that sea in a complete calm when we were there. Jesus, um, in speaking that, um, showed that he is master over heaven and earth and over the seas and over the troubles in our lives. When this happened, the disciples went from the fear of sinking into the storm to the fear of who Jesus was. You see, fear begets fear. Some fear is good. The only fear that we're called to have is the fear of God. And that's a healthy respect of God. Not a fear that drives us away from God, but a, a fear and respect of God and awe of God. So, Jesus calmed the storm. And here we were on the hillside where then they landed and a demoniac came, came out of the graveyard. And Jesus cast out the demons of the demoniac. And those demons went into this herd of pigs on that hillside. And those, those pigs went and ran off this precipice. And we were standing right on the precipice. Again, a very frightful situation with this wild demon-crazed man. And yet Jesus was in control. Jesus is in control today. So today, I want to look at a psalm that deals with fear. It deals with fear in a plague, in, in time of plague, in time of pestilence. It's Psalm 91. Psalm 91. So um, if you have your Bibles, get your Bibles at home. And I know some of you might not have them right now. But if you go and get your Bibles and open up to Psalm 91, uh, we're going to look at this psalm. And this psalm, it doesn't have a, a, a title of who wrote it. And so there's discussion on who wrote this psalm. Um, since it doesn't have a title, and, and, and yet the psalm before it does, it has the authors of the, t of the psalm before it. And that was Moses in Psalm 90, Moses' great psalm. So some say... Many say that this was written by Moses. The Talmud um, says that this was written by Moses. Well, could have been written by Moses, could have been written by David. But here, if it is Moses, we can see some references to plagues in Egypt and plagues in the wilderness wandering. Perhaps uh, the plagues in the desert with the quail. Perhaps the plague in the desert that came on them and the sun, uh, when the sons of Korah rebelled against Moses' leadership. So it's a psalm dealing with plagues and plagues that struck the people that did not have faith. And meanwhile, those who uh, were trusting the Lord and um, not in rebellion uh, survived. Now, we've got to be very careful with the psalm. The psalm is going to be spoken a lot about by different people. Some will say 
If you just keep your eyes on the Lord, that the coronavirus won't touch you. Well, that's not going to be the direct message this morning for sure. But um, we're going to look at three points this morning. Um, the three points are, um, the three points of encouragement this morning are, shelter up in the nearness of God. Shelter up in the nearness, in the nearness with God. Number two is, rest in His deliverance. Rest in his deliverance. And number three is walk in his victory. So three points. Shelter up in nearness with God. Number two, rest in his deliverance. And number three, walk in his victory. So let's look at shelter up in the nearness with God. Verses one to two. It says here, he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. This promise that we see here is for those who live in fellowship with God. It says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Well, in that day, in Moses' day and, and David's day as well, the, the, the tabernacle of the Lord was amongst, amongst them. That was his shelter, um, the shelter of the Most High. And then it says, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty, God's shadow. So a shadow, to be in someone's shadow, you've got to be close to them. Um, a child can fit within his parent's shadow. Um, and so when it talks about uh, being, abiding in the shadow of the Almighty, it's picturing a closeness with God. Now we know that, that God doesn't have a physical body. Jesus does, yes, but God is spirit. And so this is giving us a picture of being close to God, so close that that his shadow, we're, we're sitting and standing and walking in his shadow. It's a picture that, that God gives us. So, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And notice the names of God, Most High, Almighty. And we're going to see other names. Lord is next. And El, my God, is after that. So in these two verses, there's four names of God. God is in control. He is almighty. We can trust him. And so it goes on here. Um, uh, oh, and by the way, for us in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, to be close to God, we find out it comes with the Holy Spirit being in our lives. That he is inside us. We don't have to go into a tabernacle or onto the temple grounds. We have the Lord inside of us, the Holy Spirit. And then we're told in, in closeness with the Lord to be in his word, that we have the very words of God. We don't have to go into a temple to hear a priest read the word. We have the word here, that the very words of God. And so we can be in the shadow of God, having him in our hearts, the Holy Spirit, having his word and being in fellowship with his people, which is the body of Christ. So are you within the shadow of God in the body of Christ? Or have you distanced yourself from the body of Christ? Well, this is a time when it's going to be very challenging not to be distanced from the body of God, the body of Christ. And so I, it's going to take some effort, some intentional effort to stay in fellowship and not just to drift away. We're out of our routines. When you're get, you get out of a routine, it's easy to drift and get out of, of a good, um, 
godly disciplines that we have, going to church, doing our devotions, going to small groups, although small groups, some small groups will still be meeting. So we see this point, shelter up in the nearness of God. It says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. As we abide in Christ in his, and be close with Christ, the more confident we can be. You see, he says, my refuge, my fortress. As we hunker down today and are socially distancing ourselves at least six feet away from another person minimum, our peace will come only if we shelter in God. You see, he is my refuge, not the two acres that I live on, not my, my 2,000 square foot house. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. <clears throat> Excuse me, that must have been awful. Um, he is my fortress, not my spacing. You see, not God's my fortress. Now, it's wise to keep that spacing, but it is God who is my fortress. And then he is my God. He is my God, not my immune boosters that I'm taking, not my toilet paper stash that I have walled around in my bathroom and in my storage room. I trust in him. I trust in him, not in man's plans. Have you noticed that man's plans have changed uh, the past several weeks in trying to solve this corona crisis? This is rather disconcerting. We trust, we fully rely on God while being wise. You see, God doesn't change. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He is omniscient. He knows everything. And he is our shield. We trust in him. Yes, we do wise things. But it is God who protects us. And God is our fortress. God is is our shelter, and we abide in his shadow. Our next point, so this first point was shelter up in the nearness with God. Our next point is rest in his deliverance. Rest in his deliverance, verses 3 through 8. It says here, For he will, shel- he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler, You will not fear for the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Rest in God's deliverance. The snare of the fowler is mentioned here. Uh, He will deliver you. God will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. A snare is usually almost unseen and invisible to the prey. But God gives invisible protection by his Holy Spirit from this almost invisible prey, this invisible snare. Now, this is probably a reference to hidden schemes of one's enemy. And so all of us have people probably who don't really like us and might uh, try to get even with us or create hardship in our lives. So that's one thing. But we have a hidden enemy that we can't see with our eyes, and that's Satan. And it talks about the schemes of the devil in Scripture. And so 
Satan trying to set snares. Well, you know what? One of Satan's known snares throughout history has been fear. And right now, Satan is having a heyday with the fear that this corona um, has brought on, on people. It says that God will deliver us from the snare of the fowler. From the, from, and then it goes on and says, and from the deadly pestilence. The deadly pestilence. Now, the word pestilence comes from the root of to speak, to decree, or to destroy. And it had reference then in its root meaning to God's wrath on people in smiting them with plague. That was the idea um, back then, the root of where this word came from. And so there's um, this pestilence. And, and it is referring to, usually referring to disease and plague. So I was studying, um, when I was studying for this sermon I consulted Spurgeon's Treasury of David. It's a classic um, on the book of Psalms. And Spurgeon, in writing this, gives a personal testimony that I want to read for you. It says this, Before expounding these verses, I cannot refrain from recording a personal incident illustrating their power to soothe the heart when they are applied by the Holy Spirit. In the year 1854, when I had scarcely been in London 12 months, the neighborhood in which I had labored was visited by Asiatic cholera, and my congregation suffered from its inroads. Family after family summoned me to the bedside of the smitten, and almost every day I was called to visit the grave. I gave myself up with youthful ardor to the visitation of the sick, and was sent for sent for from all corners of the district by persons of all ranks and religions. I became weary in body and sick at heart. My friends seemed falling one by one, and I felt felt or fancied that I was sickening like those around me. A little more work and weeping would have laid me low amongst the rest. I felt that my burden was heavier than I could bear, and I was ready to sink under it. As God would have it, I was returning mournfully home from a funeral when my curiosity led me to read a paper which was wafered up in a shoemaker's window in the Dover Road. It did not look like a trade announcement, nor was it, for it bore a good, bold handwriting these words. Behold, thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. The effect upon my heart was immediate. Faith appropriated the passage as her own. I felt secure, refreshed, girt with immortality. I went on with my visitation of the dying in a calm and peaceful spirit. I felt no fear of evil, and I suffered no harm. The providence which moved the tradesman to place those verses in his window, I gratefully acknowledge, and the remembrance of its marvelous power, I adore the Lord my God. God uses his word in troubled times, and I trust that everyone will get into his word and the promises of his word. I have a challenge that uh, everyone would take this time to memorize the whole chapter of Psalms 46. But before um, you, that might seem to be too big of a challenge for you. I want to challenge you to memorize Isaiah 41.10. It says this. Um, well, I'm trying to think of what it says. Fear not, for I am with you. 
Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee by my righteous right hand. If you would memorize that and 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of love, power, and of discipline. Um, but God has not given us the spirit of fear. So, and then it says, um, perfect love cast out fear. Very simple phrase. Every child can, can memorize that. Every adult can memorize that. Perfect love casts out fear. I'm going to mention that later in the message. But to remember that fear and terror is not of the Lord. So we go on in the psalm and it says in verse 4, after saying he will deliver you, God will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. So this is a picture of chicks under the wings of the evil, of the eagle, not the evil, but the eagle. So when I was a kid, I heard a story of, um, of our farmer out um, on the plains in the Midwest and a prairie fire came through and they got, uh, they got all the animals gathered up, but there were some of their chickens still out um, in the field and they couldn't get them all. Well, well, the prairie fire passed by and they went out in the field and here was this dead hen um, and they were sad to have this hen die but they picked the hen up and under that hen were the little baby chicks alive the hen had spread her wings over the chicks as as birds do and um, here those chicks were survived well what did Jesus do for us he died for us to save us and here it says, he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. God is with you. He hasn't left you. To focus on Jesus and his promises. And, and it says, he who, did not spare up, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? God loves you. He died for you to provide salvation if you would trust in him. You will be saved. And if he did that, won't he still take care of us? Won't he still take care of us? Here it says he will. Then it goes on and, and says that um, his faithfulness is a shield and buckler. So God is faithful to his children. We talked about that several weeks ago. The last message I preached was on the faithfulness of God. He is faithful to his children. He shields them. And we can think of, of the body armor and the equipment that God gives us in spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6. Um, it, he gives us the belt of truth, the breast, breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. And so here, he gives us a shield and a buckler. I, I didn't know what a buckler was, but I, in researching it out, it's body armor. So he gives us armor. He gives us equipment to deal with the battle that we face, with the fears that we face. And so armor up, Pinedale Bible Church, armor up. It says here in verse 5, You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by the day. So the terror at night, there's no fear, fear of night terror. You know, it was really funny. Well, 
at the time it wasn't funny, but I woke up um, on early Friday morning, and and uh, my ears were all hot, and my face felt flushed, and I thought, oh no, uh, you know, I've got the virus, and and uh, so I wake up, and I sneak out, and, and the thermometer's by Linda's bed, and I snuck that out, and I went out into the living room, and I was telling myself, okay, just because you have a fever doesn't mean you have corona. So I, I got the, the thermometer out and put it in. It's like my temperature was normal. Then I was going, well, why do my ears feel so hot and my face feels so weird? And it's like, oh, yeah, we had an elders meeting the night before. And uh, I wore this mask, and this mask irritated my face and my ears. And isn't that how it is? We jump to these conclusions. I like uh, uh, what Barb Harper says, when you hear hoofbeats, don't assume zebras. In other words, hoofbeats usually mean horses. And um, so don't jump to conclusions, Pine Dale Bible Church. And um, we don't have to be in the sphere. But the terror of the night, don't things look different in the morning? I mean, at 9 a.m. than they did at 2 a.m.? So remind yourself of truth. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that fly, flies by the day. So there's attacks at night. Um, we get terrified by things. And then um, the, the arrows that fly by day, you know, I think of Satan's darts that are hurled at us, that we're given that shield of faith that will extinguish those darts. And it says, nor the pestilence, there's our word again, nor the pestilence, pestilence or plague that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. And the and some commentators will bring out these are fevers, uh, talking about the fever at night um, and the destruction that waste, wasting away by illness in the noonday. So this is in reference to um, disease. And it's saying that we won't fear it. Now, it's not that the threat isn't real. In verse 7, it says, A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near to you. So the threat is real. Ten thousand people succumbing all around a person. A thousand on one side, ten thousand on another. So, did this happen in the scripture? Yeah, it did. Um, in Moses' day, when, number one, um, when they were leaving Egypt and the plagues, the ten plagues on Egypt. And one of those was the, the death of the firstborn of, of all those who didn't have the blood on the doorpost. It happened then, but it also happened in their wilderness wanderings. You know, what I think this might directly refer to is when the sons of Korah rebelled against Moses and said, hey, why are you so special with God? We're just as holy as you. And so they... Moses said, well, bring censers and come and we'll see what God says about it. Well, uh, the ground opened up and swallowed the sons of Korah and and, um, and the lightning fire came from God and burned um, others up. But then it says a plague broke out amongst the people. And it tells us that it tells us a specific number. 14,700 people died from the plague amongst the people. And, and, and Moses had told his uh, brother Aaron, Aaron, quick, take the holy censer, put incense on it, and run amongst the people that the plague might be stopped. So literally, the people had 10,000 10, people falling around them and 1,000 people falling around them. So that was one time in the plague. And, and who was falling? 
It was those who had rebelled against God in this instance. And then were reminded of the quail when the people complained that they, di- they didn't have meat. All they had was this manna. And, and so then God brought in the quail that covered the ground, you know, three, four feet thick, quail everywhere. And they had said, who's going to feed? How could anyone feed this, this people meat? There's too many people. And yet God did it. And yet while the people were collecting the quail and they were eating it without uh, following the ritual cleansing and cooking of the meat, they started just eating that raw meat. It says a plague broke out, and it says it was a great plague. And so people were dying everywhere from this plague. Well, there's another plague, too. This one was of snakes, fiery snakes. Again, when the people rebelled and rebelled against God, and these fiery snakes came amongst the people. And so Moses and Aaron built a serpent and put it on a stick, and the serpents would still bite the people, and it was a fiery bite. It it was a painful bite. And yet if they looked at that serpent held up on the stick, it said they would live. And so Jesus, he is our, he, we, we look to him for help. And it's interesting that the medical community has taken this serpent on a stick um, for, for their um, symbol. And it comes from the Bible. So... Here, the plague amongst his people falling on the left hand and, the, and on the right hand. But God will take care of you. Just watch. Look to God. Romans eight thirty five um, through 39. Romans eight thirty five through 39. A great uh, section of scripture that I've mentioned a couple times, the past couple times that I've preached. But it talks about um, God's love for us. And it says here, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So, God's not going to withhold all bad things from us. We are going to be counted as a sheep waiting to be slaughtered. Life is going to be difficult for believers. Sometimes we will get sick. Some, and we all will die at some point. But it says that God's love has not left us. It says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So no matter what befalls us, if we lose our job or our income, no matter what befalls us, if we get corona, no matter what befalls us, the Lord's love is with us and he will never leave us nor forsake us. And we can trust him. We can have confidence in a time of plague. And it goes on, it says, um, a thousand may fall at your right side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near to you. Now, some will take this and say, see, God's people won't be touched by this. I do not personally believe that. I think this was Old Testament. This was um, in um, the Old Covenant that if you serve God perfectly, great blessing would come on you physically, but if you didn't, Um, Judgment would come on you. In the New Testament, it's a new covenant that God has with us. And in this new covenant, 
Um, it's unconditional. God did it all. And all we do is trust him. And so we look at this and go, well, we know that God is with us and that God will not allow anything to come into our lives that will harm us spiritually. That everything will be that's allowed to come into our lives is to help strengthen us and draw us closer. It says in verse eight, you will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. When, and surely in that day when the judgment was following on these rebellious Sons of Israel, it was like, yeah, they were rebelling. You could see it literally, physically, God's judgment on them. Well, this, this then moves us into, um, into the final point. And it's, it's this. Walk confidently in his victory. Walk confidently in his victory. We go on, it says, because you have made the Lord your your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. And then it goes on and says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. So, it's talking about angels will protect us even in smaller dangers, this tripping on a stone. So, Scripture indicates that every one of us has a guardian angel. And so, we not only have the Holy Spirit inside of us, but we have an angel who is watching over us. God will protect us even in smaller dangers. Now, for most of us, when we read this, those of us who are familiar with Jesus's temptations by Satan will remember that Satan used this verse to tempt Jesus. And how did he use this? Because this is a key point in understanding this passage. So you don't get into health and wealth, guaranteed healing, etc. Well, um, Satan used this verse um, saying, Jesus, jump off the pinnacle of the temple because and then he quotes this verse. Um, he will uh, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On your hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. So Satan was using this um, to tempt Jesus. And what did Jesus respond? Don't test the Lord your God. Don't test the Lord your God. You see, we don't do foolish, unwise things to prove God. To to, to prove, to test if God is really with us, if he really will do his word. Like, you don't go into a corona-infested area hugging and shaking hands, thinking that God will protect you, when historically and, and medicine and science shows us that quarantine works best. So, you know, some people have said, well, just trust God. Yeah, I'm going into an infested cor- uh, place with perhaps uh, uh, corona, but I'm trusting God and God's going to protect me. Well, sometimes that attitude can be this attitude that Satan was actually trying to tempt Jesus with. Oh, the angels are protecting you. You just go see, test it out, jump off the pinnacle. And by the way, we were on that corner of the wall. We saw that corner of the wall and it is steep. And that's with the temple being destroyed. But the, the corner of that wall by the temple, it's, it's a long drop. And so Satan had taken Jesus up there and said, jump off. And Satan and Jesus said, don't 
tempt. Don't test the Lord your God. And so we need to be wise in this time. The safest place that we can be right now is in the center of God's will. In the center of God's will. Now, some of you will think, okay, I'm going to get close to God so I won't get the corona. Um, I think that that is not biblical thinking. That is not godly thinking. We get close to God because he is our refuge and we trust him for whatever he wants for us. You know, our our team that went to Israel struggled. Some, some people struggle, well, shall we go? Because that was at the beginning of corona, basically. Um, in the United States and, and, and in Israel as well. It, had, it wasn't prevalent at all in Israel. And so it was like, but should we be traveling at this time? And yet um, we all processed through on our own and came to the conclusion, yeah, we're stepping out on faith. God wants us to do this. And we experienced tremendous blessings because of it. Now, we're in day 10 of, of uh, waiting to make sure that we don't have the corona. And, um, but, uh, this is, this is good. Only four days to go and we can look and see the many blessings that we had by being in the center of God's will, what he wanted us to do. Now, did he want everyone to do that? No. God's plan for each of us is differently. And we've got to be careful not to judge one another in how they are handling this versus how I'm handling this. Some say, oh, this is way overblown. There is no worries on this. And others will argue with them and say, oh, yes, you better shelter up and, and uh, take great care of yourself. And, and so this can be very divisive amongst Christians. And I want to just tell you that, that uh, let's not let Satan divide us on this. To respect, to say, you know, God can lead one person to do one thing. I mean, he led Mother Teresa to work with lepers. But he didn't lead 100,000 people to go work with lepers. But he led Mother Teresa to do that. And so if you are led to reach out to a person who has corona, praise God. They need help, without a doubt. And God will, God will use us to help people who have the coronavirus at this time. Um, so... To be in tune, and, and we need to use wisdom in this, but let's, let's be in tune with what the Lord wants and how we can help, whether near or far, um, in this situation. Second Timothy 1.7, it says, perfect love casts out fear. So what's this mean, perfect love casts out fear? If we know that we are loved perfectly by God, if we recognize that his love will... We, we can never be separated from his love. If we recognize that and really believe that, we will have this confidence and, and fear will leave that we know that God loves us just like that hen putting her wings over the chicks and the hen dying but the chicks li- living, that he loves us, he died for us, he will take care of us in this time. We do not have to be afraid. So um, our... Our pictures aren't working this morning, but something um, very interesting uh, was shown to us on our trip. We were traveling to the northernmost town um, in Israel, and it was near Capernaum. It might actually have been Capernaum, but uh, we were going through on the bus, and our tour guide was saying, "Uh, now I want you to notice that all of these houses, that there's attached to the house or off to the side of the house, um, there's two things. 
One underground, you can just see it right above the ground, is there's a bomb shelter. Each house has a bomb, bomb shelter. And he said, then that, that room next to it that's above ground, that's a gas shelter. And so everyone had bomb shelters, but then, but then people used gas. And so then, so instead of running, they made gas shelters. And then driving down the road another mile or so, there were all these apartment complexes being built. And I have a picture of all these apartment complexes being built. And just on the other side was razor wire and minefields. I loved that picture. This town has been overrun by different armies, different terrorists. Many times has been attacked. What have these people done? These people haven't given ground, but rather they've adjusted They've made bomb shelters and gas shelters. And then I love whoever is funding all those apartments that the, the vision that they have here in a place where, where no American would build. The Jewish people are building these huge apartment complexes. It's their land. They're going to live it, live in it, and they're going to defend it. They are not afraid. And so the lesson to me was no running, no running in this. We stand our ground. So what's it say in Ephesians 6.10? Stand firm, stand firm, stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm with his armor. Don't give in to Satan's attacks. Satan's attack in this, now some have said Corona is of Satan and and you know what? I'm not going to argue one way or another of that if the, corona is, the coronavirus is of Satan or not. But I'll tell you what is of Satan for sure. It's the fear. It's the fear of people being terrified by this. Instead of being afraid and giving in to satanic fear, stand. Invest in what God has for you. You see, those those Israelis were investing in property, in property that we'd go, no way, no way. I'm not going to live in terror. Well, how could they live there? They're not in terror. They have confidence. They've built gas shelters and, and bomb shelters, and they're ready. Are you ready? Well, one way we get ready is to repent, repent of our sins. Let's go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've been holding on to things. I mean, hasn't uh, some of our favorite pastimes been taken away? We can't go home and, and turn on the TV and, and, and watch a sporting event. It's been gone. It's taken away. We, we can't watch our kids play sports, organize sports right now. Sports has been taken away for a season. What are we going to do with that? Well, here we can go to the outdoors, right? We can still, that's still one of our uh, gods in, in our lives is, is uh, sometimes the outdoor can be that. But what are we going to do? Stand and invest what God has for us. So instead of focusing on self-preservation and isolation, I want to encourage each of us, one of the things that God has called us to invest in is to be sharing the gospel and to be um, ministering to other people. So my challenge, as at the beginning, is is to prayerfully consider right now who can I encourage during 
this period of time when I can't go to church, when I can't see those faces live, directly, when I can't sit around that table of donuts and drink my coffee and eat donuts and chit-chat. I can't do that anymore, so what can I do? Well, I would like you at home right now to write down names that come to mind of people that you will commit to once a week at least, reaching out to in some form. Maybe it's a phone call, maybe it's a text, a message, um, some way to reach out to that person. Maybe it's buying something on Amazon and having it sent to their, to their address. Some way you can encourage people. But I want you to pray with that person, to call them um, at least, um, you know, once a week. Get a hold of them and, and ask, what do you need prayer for? How are you doing? So it's a time of ministry. And then to do that with one non-church pe- person. Now, they might get freaked out if you ask, uh, you know, ask them to, to uh, pray with you over the phone. But you can ask, hey, is there anything that I could pray for you? And he, most uh, unbelievers will be happy to be prayed for. So if we would do that with at least four people starting now, starting today, um, and, and start to do this within our congregation, within our people. Um, and you might think of a person that you think would be dramatically affected by this, someone who is really isolating themselves. And then it might be a couple of your friends that you normally visit with anyway. Yeah, that's great um, to make weekly contact as long as the church um, is temporarily suspended here of being able to come and fellowship here. So that's one challenge. Another was that memorizing, memorizing Psalm 46, memorizing Isaiah 41.10, memorizing 2 Timothy 1.7. Next week, I'm going to try to, or on our webpage, I'm going to come up with a series of scriptures to read during this time um, that deal with some issues that we are uniquely facing right now. I also, um, well, let's let's close in prayer, then I'll, I'll end with one last comment, and uh, thank you for joining, joining us, and um, hopefully being blessed by God's word. So let's look to the Lord. Dear Lord, forgive us for our sins. Lord, we, we have sinned as a nation mightily against you. As a world, we have rebelled against you, Lord, and, and Lord, and so there's the curse on the earth. And hardships come. Scary times come. Lord, we need your peace. The peace that passes all understanding. Lord, you promise that if we will cast our cares on you. Lord, you promise that in this world we will have tribulation. We will have troubles. But you say, take courage. I have overcome the world. And so, Lord, I ask that you would give us courage. That you would give us this courage in you. Knowing that... You love us, and you will never leave your children. So, Lord, we we take hope in that. We pray for protection for each one. We pray for confidence for each one. We pray for wise leadership within homes on the part of moms and dads, Lord, that we would shine as a light to our families and and to our neighbors. Lord, help us to look for opportunities to minister and, and take them. Lord, when maybe just a couple weeks ago, we wouldn't even uh, think about it. But but now we're looking out for needy people that we can help out. So, Lord, I pray for that. And, Lord, if there's anyone who's listening and watching this 
right now, I ask that you would, if they, if they do not know you, that they would come to know you, Lord, that they would place their belief in you, knowing that, Jesus, you died on the cross to pay for our sins, and that you rose from the dead, giving victory over sin and death. And, Lord, we, in, in acknowledging our sin and saying, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin, please forgive me. Lord, you see the heart of those who have responded to you, to you saying, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose victorious over the grave. And now I put my trust in you, Lord Jesus. I ask you to save me. Save me from my sins. Lord, I'm not ready to die. I don't know where I'd go, but Lord, I want to know that I have been forgiven. And, and I want to receive your promise that my future now as a your child is my destiny is heaven. It is promised. It is assured. Lord, you hear our prayers. I thank you for that. Lord, may your hand be on each of us this week. May we be used as servants of you to display your glory and shine your light. In Jesus' name, amen. So we hardly ever have to say anything about this, but I am going to say something. Number one, if you prayed to receive Jesus, I want you to message me um, or call me um, and let me know. I have some material that I would like to send to you. And then um, a couple people, when calling them to let them know about us suspending our service, have said that, um, um, how, are we, how do we give to the church? Well, just mail it. Mail it into the church right now, P.O. Box 1063, Pinedale, Wyoming. P.O. Box 1063, and that's uh, zip code 82941. Another thing that we're going to try to do is get some giving site, um, a way to give um, electronically um, on our website, but that's coming up. But thank you very much for joining us, and um, I love you guys, and I miss your faces, and um, may God bless each one of you. Thank you.